What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Essential 11. As always, we are brought to you by Acton Academy. Acton Academy, Placer, Apogee Strong, and our friends over at Discover Praxis. Uh, today's guest is a phenomenal lady, um, and this one is uh, is not going to be from an Apogee call. This is just a one-on-one conversation uh, with a lady named Miranda Alcaraz. And many of you know her as uh, a CrossFit competitor, uh, former uh, CrossFit headquarters uh, kind of a trainer and speaker uh, and uh, one of the, the seminar team. And, and she's just this brilliant human with a really cool story. She also, uh, with her husband, has put together uh, an organization called Street Parking, which we're going to talk about here in this episode. They are absolutely crushing it. Um, and once you hear from her, you will understand exactly why. I think you guys are going to enjoy this conversation with Miranda Alcaraz. Um, hey, it's cool to get to actually connect. Yeah, I'm super pumped about this. This it's, is great. It's awesome, man. And, and like I said, any friend of Savon's is a friend of mine, and and I come highly recommended. I know we got a bunch of mutual friends too, and and Kalipa, and um, just a whole bunch of folks in that in that CrossFit world, man. So I'm. It is. Uh, it is an honor and a pleasure. Uh, thank you. Yeah. How do you know Savon? So, okay, I'm trying to think how we. <laughs> so we. First met at an L, so I did an L1 cert years ago in Aromas, right? And with like Kalipa um, was his mm-hmm. first time coaching, I think. And so I met him there. Oh Neil Maddox was my one of my partners in one of the workouts. He was getting his cert there, oh, okay. right? So some yeah. of these OGs, and I know Savon was there. Um, as we move forward later, honestly, I don't remember what it was. I think somebody sent me something that he wrote on, or Mark Pfeiffer. Do you know Mark? Uh, it sounds familiar, so, but I can't place it. So he's a NorCal, uh, stud and he's qualified for masters okay. again this year. Um, okay. and I think he sent me something that Savon did parenting wise. And I'm like, oh man. So I reached out to Savon. I'm like, you got to get on the podcast. And, yeah. and we were just on, we were, we did it forever. I jumped on his and still to date is the longest podcast he's ever done. And so we just have stayed in contact um, forever. <laughs> so he's like, Hey, you've got to meet her. So, um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Super cool. And so then ever since then too, I walk, we got parents on campus here and, and I got these moms coming in and they got their street parking sweatshirts. Really? Yeah, man. I've had a couple and I'm like, Oh sweet. Oh, she's coming wow. on. And then a good friend of mine just had a baby too. And she's in there and she's posing. She got her baby and she's got her street park and stuff on. I'm like, dude, you're, you're making the rounds mama. Wow. That's really cool. We love hearing that. It's so cool, man. So cool. So I get the, the honor and the pleasure of doing this, this podcast where, you know, we just bring on the best of the best in all kinds of different industries and whether it's health and fitness and, um, you know, leaders in business and actors and musicians and um, whatever it is. And all of it is geared towards um, bringing advice to our young heroes. You know, I've got schools that I have here in Northern California. And I know you're in, in California, too. Or you were. I, I, yeah, we live in Vancouver, Washington you're in now. Washington, um, that's I was right. In, I was in NorCal. I was in... Um, Los Gatos and Santa Cruz and San Jose for what, uh, four, four and a half years. And then okay. moved to SoCal for a little bit where I met my husband. And then we moved to Vancouver, uh, four years ago, almost. Okay. Got it. That's right. I remember you were here. I was a Bay area guy too, for, for a long time and out in those areas, Vancouver, I've gotten to speak out in Vancouver, Washington, uh, a couple of times too. So cool, cool spot up there. Um, so yeah, I mean, everything is about the young heroes, right? we got these campuses here. I've got the mentorship program. We got young men all over the world, um, helping open more of these schools all over the world. And so all of this is just, 
you know, it's, it's people like you pouring into young people, man. So super, super appreciative. Um, would love to start with kind of your ex woman, you know, origin story. Uh, just (laughs) if, if you don't mind, just kind of a little bit of the background of kind of how you got into, you know, kind of the fitness industry in general and what you're doing now. And then, you know, we'll kind of use these questions that the, that the young people have as the framework for kind of continuing, but yeah, let's get some origin story on you, girl. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how far back you want to go. I come from a really large family. I I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. I have four brothers and one younger sister. I'm in the middle of four boys though, Um, which I think was probably one of the biggest precursors to me ending up in the fitness industry was they just, I just did whatever they did and I wanted to do whatever they did. And I played hockey when I was little and and just ran around with them um, and kind of got into fitness in a weird way. I, my best friend, her family was more into fitness. They had a membership at like a tennis club type place. And so when her dad wanted to go play racquetball, we would go and we were teenage girls. So we wanted to, you know, work out, we'd get on the elliptical and things like that. Um, and that's how I got my start in fitness. And then I actually had a, a boyfriend in high school whose mom was a spin instructor. And so I would go to her classes just cause she would invite me and I really enjoyed it. Um, it's not what I went to school for. I actually went to school for interior design. Really? That's vastly different. Like the opposite. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but the whole time I was in school, I was teaching these cycling classes and these um, like cardio kickboxing classes and things like that. Cause I had gotten into it. I didn't play sports in high school. I was a high school cheerleader. I played sports a little bit growing up because my brothers did. Um, but I did actually, I grew up doing a lot of um, musical theater, <laughs> which really? also is the opposite. It's so not the same at all. <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of musical theater um, from the time I was seven until I was like 15 or so. And then I got into the cheerleading and the dancing and stuff like that. Um, but really CrossFit was the first time, um, besides I did, I did one season of track in high school. Okay. Um, but CrossFit was the first time I was competing as an athlete. Um, and when I started CrossFit, it wasn't, the games weren't like a really big thing. They had, they had had the games one time. I started CrossFit in late 2007 and they had had the 2007, like barbecue at Dave's house, CrossFit games. Yeah, totally. Uh, but it wasn't like, oh, train and become this famous like athlete. Yes. And so I did the 2008 games. I loved it, it and just competed from 2008 to 2016. Um, all I, while I was on the CrossFit seminar staff also. Gotcha. So did yeah. you do stuff at Aromas too, like for the certs and, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff too? Yeah, so we I may lived have... right there. I lived... I lived in, um, I did a ton of seminars at the, at the ranch. Yeah. I did, um, cause I lived in either Los Gatos or yeah. in, um, Santa Cruz the whole, for Man. three and a half years. So, yeah. We yeah. may have come, I mean, cause I did a couple of things out there too. And so we have, I mean, I did, I did the cert, but then did a couple of seminars too. So it's very possible, man, that we came across each other years ago. I mean, that's very possible. So super cool. Where did you where did you learn about CrossFit? Like, where did you get that exposure? I know you were there in the general area, you know, and there was that, um, you know, Greg had opened in Santa Cruz and you had some of those. I, well, actually I wasn't. So I was still in Utah and um, I was a personal trainer okay. at that point. So I graduated school from, inter- I went to school for interior design. I graduated and I was working um, 
the place that I went to design school, it was more of like a trade school. So it wasn't a four-year program. It was a, it was a two-year program. And I graduated when I was 20 years old. And so I'm 20 years old and I'm working at this really high-end expensive furniture store that also has designers that you can hire to help. And what I had found was well, two things. No one wants to listen to a 20-year-old um, when they're spending that kind of money. And uh, also this sounds really bad, but the people that could afford a designer I found were not the type of people that I enjoyed. <laughs> um, that doesn't sound yeah, bad. It sounds like good self-awareness. It wasn't my vibe anyways. There you go. And so I was still teaching group fitness at the time. And I just found that I loved fitness more. I was more passionate about it than design. Um, and so I started going down that path a little bit more. So at the time that I found CrossFit, I was a personal trainer. I was paying like a monthly like rent, like, like, like a hairdresser does at this small training studio where I, I trained to be able to use this or I paid to be able to use the space. And I had just kind of started getting bored with traditional training. And so um, I was just searching on the internet, like military style training, because that sounded cool to me. Like I wanted to like crawl on the ground and like, you know, do some more stuff like that. Um, and I found the CrossFit website. So this was still in Utah. Um, I was married to my um, previous husband at the time, and he he had been in the Marine Corps before we knew each other. And that's kind of where I got this because he was like reading a book about their training and talking to me about it. And so I, that's when I started searching it. And um, I started using CrossFit with my clients um, just in the training studio. And um, the guy who owned the training studio was not a fan because it was kind of an expensive place. Like it was like a high class place. And I had people like rolling around on the floor yeah. and stuff like that. And they were, they'd go out in the parking lot and a couple of people threw up a few times. And, um, <laughs> and were you just using so like people, old school, like the main website, some of the main website oh, yeah. programming and okay. That, yeah. That's really all there was. Yeah, this totally. was, um, this was like, like I said, like late 2007. Yeah. So like, yeah, totally. Yep. And, um, I started doing it myself. Um, and really enjoyed it and was really shocked at the results that I was getting from much shorter sessions than what I had been used to. So I'm 25 at this point. Um, yeah. And, and the, so the owner of this studio, he said, you, you can't train. First of all, you can't do this high intensity stuff here. I don't like it. Number two, I was trying to train more than one person or more than two people at a time. Mm. I was bringing yep. in like yep. groups of four, Group or five people yeah. and they didn't like that either. Um, so they basically, they kicked me out. Um, so in 2008, when I'm 20, yeah, 25, before I heard, had turned 26, I opened the first CrossFit gym in Salt Lake city, Rad. um, in a warehouse space. <laughs> Rad. Yeah. And, and we had that me and my, my ex, we had that for three years. He works, he actually still works for CrossFit. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but he worked for CrossFit also. And, um, we moved, that's when we moved to California was in 2011. Got it. And went out there like, got yeah. it. Okay, man, that's awesome. And you, um, so first of all, actually two questions completely unrelated. One, can you sing? Can you still sing? Do you still sing a little with your... I mean, I sing to my children. Okay. All right. Just curious. Uh, that's. Right. You'd have, I mean, it's a, it is a skill, right? Like sure. there's a certain level. Sure. It's not like I was like born with like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not like a like a uh, virtuoso or anything that just yeah. like came out of the womb. Like, but I think if I practiced it, I could sound you can okay. Still do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but I like what you said too, about 
the trend, and I want to I want to emphasize this too because you know we have so many young people and so many parents too that, that listen to these conversations. Like you had the self awareness at twenty to go, man. You know what? This these aren't my these aren't my people, and that's not you know in cancel culture that we live in in this weird environment. Whatever people are, you, that's going to offend somebody. It's going to hurt somebody's feelings. No, the reality is we all vibe more with certain people than we do with others, yeah. and that's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean we hate the other people. It doesn't mean we dislike them. It doesn't mean we never want to work with them. It just means if you're going to spend your day pursuing something, well, shouldn't it be something that. Uh, is a mission that's coming out of your soul. Like you can't help it and you want to do this. And oh, by the way, if you've got people that you really, really enjoy being around, that's a good thing too, right? So your self-awareness of that, you know, I don't want to discount that. That's a big deal um, of finding that tribe. I think it's an important part of a young person's journey. You know, I really do. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I think um, not that not that you can't have a, a really purposeful life and mission as sure. a, a designer. There's plenty of ways of to do that, but I, I think purpose was a big part of it. Like totally. I wanted to help people find the love that I had for fitness, totally. and I really enjoyed doing that. So so cool. So and you compete. So you moved out there, and then it was, I mean, pretty darn quickly thereafter, you started competing, and you did you competed in that second uh, that second games. There, that 2008. Yeah, so I, w- I did the 2008 games. In 2008, it was still, you just sign up. Yep. You choose if you can do it as prescribed or if you need to scale. Mm-hmm. And they assign you a heat. We yep. didn't even all do the workouts in the same order. Like, it was Got like, it. all right, well, you're yeah. going to work out three first, and then you're going to go to workout two. And then, um, and so there was the year that Jason won. Yep. Was, totally. Was that year. Um, but I still lived in Utah. And then I competed in regionals in 2009. And 2010, also in that region, and 2011, too, I think, yes. And then in 12, 13, 14, and 15, I was uh, in California. Got it. Um, okay, so, that, so Jackie Perez, you know Jackie? <laughs> yeah, I know Jackie, yeah. Let's talk about journeys real quick. So, and I hope Jackie <laughs> listens to this, dude. And I want to call Jackie out because I've asked Jackie forever yeah. to come on here with us and she won't do it. And so maybe having you help call her out too. So Jackie and I, I actually uh, hired Jackie working at Abercrombie and Fitch in Pleasanton. Oh my gosh. So hired her, which is where I met my wife, by the way, too. So we all actually worked together there. So at Abercrombie Abercrombie in Pleasanton. Yes, the Pleasanton store. So I hired Jackie. Jackie and I became um, quick friends. I mean, she's just, she's a rad human. Um, And so we were friends for a while. I left Abercrombie and went to 24-Hour Fitness, ran the 24-Hour Fitness in San Ramon, since you know the area, right? The flagship club over there. And Mm -hmm. Jackie goes, I kind of want to get into this whole like fitness space would you hire me over there as a trainer? So I'm like, of course, Jackie, you're rad. Like if you think, I didn't care if she wanted to get into fitness or not, I didn't even necessarily believe her, but I'm like, let's go. Um, <laughs> because she's awesome, you know, and she's just an awesome human. So yeah. brought her in. So I absolutely will take credit for Jackie getting into uh, the fitness industry and going where she wants to go. <laughs> I will take all the credit in the world, even though she did all the work and she's a stud. Um, but yeah, so a little background on that. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, she's got an interesting story too. She should come on. She, yeah, she does. She does. She just, um, yeah, I'm just giving her giving her a hard time on that. So that's super <laughs> cool, man. So you end up competing for for a while, and so I want to. What was the trajectory into kind of what you're doing 
now. And, and I mean, business wise, not necessarily, I mean, motherhood is obviously a huge part too. You got a couple, um, young heroes and I know you've got one on the way too. And, and that's awesome, man. Super congratulations around that. Um, the journey into kind of the entrepreneurship side of what you're doing now, what did that, what did that piece look like for you? Yeah. So the, while I was competing, it's funny because most people, um, that come from CrossFit, they know me better unless they went to a seminar where I was working, they mm-hmm. know me more as the, uh, someone who was a, a, a competitive athlete, right. but I worked for CrossFit from 2008 to 2016 and I worked over 300 seminars. Wow. Um, and I always, I competed and yeah. I enjoyed it, especially when I was doing the team stuff with Jason and, and our crew. Yeah. Um, but I, I never thought of myself as a CrossFit athlete. I always thought of myself more as a coach. Sure. Uh, It was what I was doing before I found CrossFit. It's why I started CrossFit and it's what I, um, really felt like I was, I felt like I was a much better coach than I ever was an athlete, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, I had some success in doing that. Um, so when I left CrossFit, it wasn't at all because I was like not interested in coaching. And I also didn't leave because I had this idea for street parking. Sure. Um, I had a new man in my life and uh, the seminars required us to travel all the time. And yeah. I had been doing it for eight years. I had been everywhere. I had been like, actually these pictures, I know you, most people probably just listen to the audio, but the yeah. pictures behind me, these are all the pages from my passport from when I worked for CrossFit. Oh, how rad. Yeah, very cool. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, so I had been all over the world and competed and um, stopped competing because in 2015, I tore my ACL mm. um, on day three, I think, of the CrossFit Games when I was on Jason's team. Mm. And I was 30, how old was I? 34 or something, 32, 33. And I was like, you know what? I need to figure out like <laughs> what I'm going to do. I, I got to stop yeah. chasing this like competition thing, right? Um, And so I stopped, I decided I was going to stop competing and was still working for CrossFit. And I also worked for a supplement company called Progenix at the time. Oh yeah. Anyway, I was just kind of, uh, they were, they were restructuring the training department where we had to work a certain number of seminars or we, or we weren't going to be able to get the same um, health benefits and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, and they also wanted us to sign, uh, I talked about this on Sevon's podcast. They also wanted us to sign this like non-compete thing which basically said um, that if we were to create a company or a business while working for CrossFit, that they would own it partially. And I've been entrepreneur. I mean, I opened a gym at 25 and I had done little side things um, while I was working for CrossFit before. Nothing ever very big, but it's it's in my nature. And so I was like, well, that doesn't, I don't have anything, but I also have random ideas all the time. And so it was just time for me to, to leave. And Smart. I had no idea other than I was working for the supplement company. I, I didn't have a way that I was planning on making up the income that I was losing. And it yeah. was a pretty significant income. Cause I, I had, I was a flow master. Sure. I was like the highest level you could be on the seminar staff. Yeah. Um, well, I guess with all the free time that my mind had from not traveling, like two months later, I said to my then boyfriend, he's my husband now, uh, you know, whenever I post workouts, like when I'm traveling or like, if we work out in your garage, people love that stuff. Like they, they respond to it in a different way than when we post our, like he was a CrossFit competitor too. He competed in the games. He qualified for the games twice. Okay. Um, 
but whenever we would post like cool, like snatch and muscle up stuff, people like that. Yeah. But if I posted a workout of me with a pair of dumbbells in a hotel gym, the response was different. It was going back to, again, this was actually helping people. Right. It wasn't just me showing Check off. this out. Right. Yeah. And so I said, we should create a, just a separate Instagram page and post these workouts that we do together at your house or at my apartment gym or when we're traveling. Yep. And so it started out as an Instagram page. And then it was like, well, you know, it'd be cool. I also had this like side project of, uh, I was programming for gyms. I had like six gyms I was programming for okay. at the time. And I was like, I love programming. Yeah. Like we could just do programming for people who, who don't have a lot of equipment and we could actually like let them see each other's scores and inter interact with each other and have like a small monthly fee because I knew um, I traveled the world. Yeah. There, there's a lot of people who um, they don't have access to a CrossFit gym. It's too right. far away. It's too expensive. They're deployed soldiers, uh, whatever it might be that could use this, something like that. And so it was like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a hundred members that helped us pay our California utility bill? Yeah. And um, this cool Instagram, this like small community that we could share like our at-home workouts with. My, um, he at the time owned a meal prep company. So he had his own business Interesting. Um, with okay. his brother and his mom, um, which he has, I mean, their story's also fantastic. His parents uh, immigrated from Mexico when they were like teenagers. And yeah, so That's rad. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's first generation US born here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so he, he had this company with his mom and his brother. We started this like side page and I was pregnant or I found out I was pregnant like a week after we started it. Oh wow. And um, that was not planned. We weren't married. We just moved in together. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, there goes that. Like who wants to get their workouts from the pregnant, from pregnant lady? lady? Like <laughs> I'm supposed to be the cool like CrossFit lady, you know? Um, but the exact opposite happened. Turns out, I think something like 80% of women get pregnant at some point in their lives. Um, and that's Is it really market. that high? I guess I, I never really so. thought about that. I looked it up at one point. Don't quote me on that, but I think it's like, some, yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. not. Maybe I mean, that's I've never, that's literally something I've never even thought of. But yeah, I'll have to, I have to dive into that. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah please. So, Man. so anyway, I guess the market for parents is bigger than yeah. I had realized. Sure. <laughs> and, and so we actually grew in the first month, we had like 700 members. And our, we were like, oh, well, this is much bigger of a thing than we expected it to be. Um, and some of that you could definitely chalk up to the fact that I had a big Instagram following and he was a CrossFit Games athlete too. Sure. So people came because of our notoriety in that sure. way. Um, but I've known just from having good mentors previously, I guess that people will sign up. That doesn't mean they'll stay bingo and you have to deliver a good product and you have to be professional yep. and you have to be, um, you know, on top of it. Yeah. So now it was like, Oh, this is like a real thing. That's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, we, I'm, I'm pregnant and we're up till two or three in the morning. Cause he still has his business. I still have my job and we're running this thing and we're, and it's just, it, 
at that point and still to this day it yeah. was a train that took off down the tracks that were like chasing it down and trying to keep up with it good for you guys man but it all happens because you guys took action you know anybody that listens to this knows i always say fire aim ready you take action first mm -hmm. take action yeah. and you take action over here you take action here you take action here you take action here and one of those may be the train that kind of takes off and maybe not but you don't know until you take action and continue to collect those experiences you know so good well for the you crazy thing is that we talk about and the, uh, one of the reasons that we believe that street parking is so successful and, and some of our um, employees who we've been friends with long before street parking mm -hmm. was a thing will say is it was like a it was like a perfect storm that you you couldn't replicate if you wanted to like going back to my musical theater experience that was why i was so good at the seminar staff like i could stand up in front That's of right. a group of people and be entertaining and speak clearly yes and it fed into that and um it's every little thing i mean there's so much that like mm. just because what you're doing right now isn't what you ultimately want to be doing or could be doing you have no idea how that's going to help that's right you you know and um julian same thing he lived in la so i met him when i moved to southern california and he was trying to be an actor and he had a pretty successful acting career he was on suits he was in a movie nice. with Gina Carano. Yeah. He was like, yeah. And so same thing, like he can stand in front of a camera, which when you have an online business, we have to do all Doesn't the time. Hurt. Yep. And um, we're both very comfortable in that yeah. space. So it wasn't just the training and the fitness side, which obviously both of us had developed as well, but there yep. was so much in our lives before that that led into us being successful um, that's, with what we're doing now. That's, that is, it's a, such a powerful concept. So Naval uh, Ravikant, who is one of the, um, you know, he's, he's a gentleman that I, I very much look up to. I think he's one of the most brilliant minds that um, too many people don't know who he is and, and uh, is a Bay Area guy too. Um, Naval, and, and actually to this day, his episode of, I think he's only been on, I think he's been on Rogan's podcast once. Uh, and it may be still my favorite episode of any podcast ever. Um, and Naval talks about specific knowledge is, is what he uh, describes it as. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It is the culmination of all of those experiences and all of those experiences that may seem completely unrelated you may get five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road. And all of a sudden there is this weird point where all of those things converge. And when you have the opportunity for that, there's literally nobody else on the planet who will have that same convergence of the same types of experience. Thus, nobody on the planet that has that same specific knowledge that you do. And that is a superpower because if you can mm -hmm. take advantage of that specific knowledge and you can take advantage of creating value for others because you have got this thing that nobody else does that is one of life's secrets you know it's it's figuring that out but you don't get it without paying attention you don't get it without the collection of experiences right because it's the stronger that the the, the more experiences you have the stronger that point of convergence is going to be and the more people you're going to be able to help and the more clarity you're going to have on that and that's exactly what you're describing right you don't have any way of knowing that you just know okay move forward move forward move forward and even if i pivot move forward move forward move forward and it all converges together man i love that well and i think it like speaks to like whatever you it is you're doing right now like yeah. i don't care if you're working at a fast food restaurant like 
learn everything you totally. can because you don't know if one day you're going to be in a position where someone's like, hey, will you run my restaurant? And you're like, actually, I feel really comfortable doing that totally. because when I worked at a restaurant for minimum wage, that's right. I picked up everything I possibly could. You that's know? right. So, that's right. That's a big thing. So, I mean, that's a perfect um, kind of segue into, so, you know, obviously I run opening these uh, these schools and our schools are, I, I say school because people know that word, but it's such a different deal, right? It's a, it's such a different, um, way to go about it. And these young heroes are being asked to just collect these experiences and to try these things and to start businesses and to, you know, essentially what we're talking about now, they're being asked to do and shoulder a lot of responsibility at that young age so that they just have a quicker trajectory to get to what that specific knowledge is than maybe you or I ever did because, we played the traditional school game of everybody's doing the same thing, same time forever. Right. And so for you guys, what do you, how do you look at that in terms of um, either parenting or education? Do you guys, um, are you guys kind of more in like the, um, you know, Hey, they're going to do normal traditional public school. We're going to kind of lead by example at home and, and they'll be okay. We're going to go a completely different route. No, we're going to homeschool. No, we're going to like, where do you guys kind of converge on that? Yeah. So, um, we we've been planning on homeschooling our boys since before the pandemic. I know it's gotten yeah. like a much more popular mm -hmm. topic of conversation, but yep. we um, have been planning on homeschooling them from the beginning. And it's interesting for especially like my parents to hear me say that because I yeah. did really well in school. Right. I enjoyed school. I had lots of friends. Right. I got really good grades. Um, other than being a slight bit of a perfectionist and probably stressing out too much about projects sure. that ultimately weren't as important as I made them in out in my head. I loved school and yeah. I excelled in it, but my brothers did not. Yeah. And I think seeing that um, is what impacted where it's like, Hey, like not everybody learns the same way. I know my brothers are highly intelligent, especially my oldest brother is like, he's got to have one of the higher IQs of anyone that I know, but right. he, I remember he had trouble in school and my parents talking about it, probably never to me. It was probably just something that I overheard um, that the reason he had trouble in school is because he was bored. He was too smart for his grade, but you like, he wasn't Doogie Howser. They weren't going to like, you know, sure. <laughs> give him a bunch of grades. So he started um, not doing well simply because he was bored. My brother that's just under him, he's super artistic and yeah. very, very social. Like right. he's one of the, you could put him in a room with anyone and he gets to know everybody yep. and everybody likes him. And um, so he would get distracted because he was so, he just wanted to get to know sure. everybody and network and school doesn't really allow you to do that so much. Not even in the eighties and nineties, you know, yeah. it's like be quiet and you have five minutes between classes to chat with people. Yep. And, um, and he was also very, very artistic, very musical, very um, good with any, any form of art. Mm -hmm. My brother under him, who was just older than me, he was the opposite of that, very uh, not as social and shy and struggled with that a little bit. And I think struggled with school because of that. Mm -hmm. And so I think even though I excelled and I enjoyed school, it hurt me then and still does to this day that um, they didn't have the uh, as, as good of an experience mm -hmm. and maybe grew up and thought that they weren't smart or something right. like that. And then when I met, um, I have a little brother and a little sister too, um, but I think I was impacted more by watching my older brothers. Sure. A lot of who I am is watching them and not doing what they were doing. Totally. Yeah. Super valuable. 
Super yeah, because they, they got in trouble a lot. They were drinking and doing drugs. And so anything they did, I did the opposite. Did the opposite. Smart. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then when I met Julian, I recognized that's my husband. Yep. I recognized right away that he was, um, we had a meal together uh, on the day that we met and just went and got some food after working out. And um, I recognized right away that he was different than most. I had spent way too much time around CrossFit Games athletes at that point. And I just, he was different than all these other people that I was around. He was more interesting to me. He was talking about how he was taking salsa lessons by himself, like with this like ballroom teacher. That's awesome. And he was, he was talking about his meal prep company and how he likes to cook and um, all of this stuff. And he was just interesting yeah. to me, but I noticed that a lot of people around him treated him almost like a child. Like they would, um, they, they put him into this like athlete. He's very attractive, this like good looking athlete machismo. He's just trying to chase girls person. And when I sat across from him, obviously I could see that he was attractive, but I didn't see that in mm. him at all. I saw this like really well-spoken, really interesting, not into all the stuff that you would think that somebody that looks like him and, and is an athlete would be. We didn't talk about working out. That was like probably the biggest thing. We talked yeah. about a, a bunch of other stuff. And then in getting to know him before we had our first child, I learned that his school experience um, was similar he has an older brother who's very, very intelligent and got very good grades and got a lot of attention and was in a lot of extra um, like higher classes and special classes. And he, on the other hand, was always just told he was really good at sports. Yep. And he was never diagnosed with ADD, but I know that if they would have taken him in for a diagnosis, they would have said he yes. For sure would have been diagnosed with <laughs> yeah. ADD. Um, and so it was just like, oh yeah, you're the athletic one and your brother's the smart one. And, and not in like a, in a mean way or whatever, but it was just like the path that he was sent down. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I've been around a lot of intelligent people and I can mm -hmm. see that, like, how is no one else seeing mm -hmm. this? Um, and I knew that, you know, if we had a son, there's a very good chance he could be like his dad. Sure. And I didn't want him, uh, our, our child to, experience school in that way. Um, and so even though I knew no one that had ever done homeschool, it was not something that I've ever seen before. I've, yeah. I've known since, since our first baby was born that we wanted to homeschool. That's so rad. So obviously coming out of education, I mean, I have a lot of obviously personal thoughts on, on that, but I think one of the, a couple of the things that you pointed out I think are so relevant for people to, to think about and understand, you know, we talk about, you know, you excelled and maybe somebody else didn't. And you mentioned your brothers being wildly intelligent. They just didn't excel there. And I always try to put it back on because some people say, well, gosh, you know, I did well in school and, but, oh, but also, you know, what life didn't turn out super well, like doing well at school means you understand how to do well at school as it's currently defined. That's not necessarily transferable. And so what I try to get people to understand is like, okay, I did well in school too. Uh, but I also came out of college and had no idea who I was, what value I had, what I wanted to do, who, you know, what actual gifts I had. Like I didn't know anything. I knew I was good at school and, and figured out how to do that easily. But that doesn't transfer necessarily. So I always try to ask people like, okay, well, what if instead of your traditional academia in, you know, math and history and English and writing, you know, essays and, and all that kind of stuff, what if it was 
you know, for me, if I had gone to school and the subjects were, um, you know, electronics and um, art, drawing, drawing pictures, uh, long distance running and, and uh, swimming <laughs> and sewing buttons. Um, if it was that, I would have failed. Right. I would have failed. I would have failed out. I'm not good at any of those things. I don't have interest in any of those things. I would have sucked right. at every single one of those things. Um, but what if that was the focus? Like, what if that, and I could have gone through thinking, okay, I'm a moron, right? And so mm -hmm. it's just as dangerous. Um, I think some people go through and think that they're not smart and they're brilliant. And I think some people also go through and do well and think that they're smart and they probably are, but not necessarily in a way that matters. And they've got to figure that out later, if ever. Because another thing that school tends to do is because you have those labels going on, you come out and then it's that second part you said, you kind of get put into this box. Society starts to put you in a box, culture starts to put you in a box, people around you start to put you in a box. And so in turn, a lot of times you start to put yourself in a box and you mm -hmm. engage your mind with, well, I guess this is my scenario, this is my story, this is who I am. Um, I'm either good at things, I'm not good at things I can do, right? And we base so much of that on this really weird experience that we call school that doesn't necessarily, most of the time, translate to anything, right? And I think that's no, such and, a you dangerous know, I actually thing. think, now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, I have two things that I was thinking about as you were talking about that is, Julian actually had a teacher I think he, the word that he misspelled in junior high or high school was college. I think okay. he spelled it incorrectly. And he had a teacher like straight up say to his face, you won't, you don't need to worry about knowing how to spell that because you're not going to go type thing. Um, and like those types of things, I mean, you hear those and there are great teachers out there. I don't think that all teachers are Absolutely. like that or anything like that. Absolutely. Um, but when you hear those things, you're like, mm. and, and he believed, he, he believed them, you know, he was like, well, hey, yeah. Yep, um, then I, get, I, I probably won't. That's right. Um, the other thing, the thing, cause I've tried to figure out so many times, how did I do so, how is my life or how is my life story mm -hmm. so much different than my brothers? Mm -hmm. Like we're, we lived in the same house. We have the same parents. They didn't, they did the same stuff with me as they did with them. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I think it was, and I, cause I know you speak to a lot of young men mm -hmm. yep. um, and I don't know that it's, it, I don't know that there's as much of a divide between expectations on uh, young boys versus young girls now. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, I'm almost 40 years old, so it's pro probably evolved a little bit. But when I was growing up, I grew up in a very traditional Mormon Utah household. Right. Um, and my parents had very traditional gender roles. My mom had graduated from college but she was a stay at home mom and my dad was, you know, working. And I think, and this is like, I've never asked my parents this, but I, I feel that sometimes I had no pressure to be successful. Mm. They didn't need or expect me to be a successful person. So it was like, Oh, you want to do this thing? Yeah. Go do Try that. Or you, yeah, there wasn't as much pressure on me to be successful. So every success that I achieved was because I wanted it. Yeah. I want to get grades. I want to do well. I want to do this extracurricular stuff where I'm, it, I'm positive. My brothers, as they were trying to raise them to be men who would take care of families. Right. There was um, a different kind of pressure. Had more pressure. Like you need to get good grades. You need to be successful. This, there's like this pressure 
that I don't know if it's the same now as it was then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where women didn't have as as much pressure to be career so, success. Right successful in like a career type sense. Right, which again is what we tend to do in society is we narrowly define something and then assume that that is the definition of it um, rather than than deferring to the individual, right? Because your version, Miranda's version of success in right. all walks of life, family, faith, fitness, finances, all of that is going to be fundamentally different than mine. There may be some overlap. There may be some similarities for sure, but it's going to be fundamentally different because we're different human beings. And so we've got to allow for that fundamental difference to exist and we can coexist in that. Um, so I think you're right. I think that's a, that's an interesting thing. Was like the character part of that though, still, still an expectation. Right. So like they didn't necessarily expect um, they didn't have the, the definition of success, maybe necessarily for you because of the girl. And so the, that pressure alleviates. But was there still like coming out of, a, um, you know, again, kind of a um, that fundamental, more traditional household like, hey, but don't go get yourself in trouble. Don't make stupid decisions like there's still responsibility. Uh, All yeah. of that is still there. Yeah, 100 percent. And actually, my I had much stricter rules. Yeah as a girl in the family that's where i was gonna go and that's where i was gonna go and ask their curfews were different they could do so much more and then you know you you protect the dot your daughters more you're more protective of that i think that's like a human nature thing um i don't have daughters so i don't know (laughs) um but uh yeah i i had much stricter rules growing up so interesting right so it's like they've got the stricter rules around the quote-unquote success you get a little more freedom there but you've got the stricter roles about the, we're going to, you know, and a lot of times that's from a loving, like we're going to protect our girl sort of deal. And we don't have to worry about the protection side of the, of the young men. Right. And it's like, yeah. all right, cool, man. What if we get all of that out of the way and we just go, Hey, we expect boy or girl, you're going to work towards something. We're going to go ahead and get back off on what that something is. We want to just have you take, again, collecting experiences so you can figure out who you are. And then also, by the way, that character part is the non-negotiable, right? That's the message for our, that's literally the message that we're bringing for the young men we serve through Apogee, through all the heroes that get to serve K through 12 on all of our campuses. Like it's that, like go collect those experiences to figure out who you are, get resilient by struggling and failing and messing some things up early so that you build that resilient kind of mindset. You start to figure out the patterns of what you're good at and who you are. And, but, oh, by the way, character is the non-negotiable throughout. You put those things together, magical things happen for human beings. And, you know, I have to, I have to share because I think it's relevant to your audience and your podcast, probably, um, the biggest one, the biggest lesson that I got from my parents was when they struggled. So mm-hmm. my dad, mm-hmm. um, when we were growing up from when I was two until I was 12, we lived in this really affluent neighborhood. Uh, my dad worked for, I don't know exactly what it was. It was some sort of like, I don't know if it was, I think it was insurance or stocks or something mm-hmm. like that, where he, he was basically like a salesperson. Mm-hmm. And um, had done really well. So I had five siblings and we lived in this house that they built them and designed themselves. And it was awesome. And um, at some point, my dad's bosses, and again, like this is me trying to like still wrap my head around exactly what happened. um, were asking him to be um, dishonest. Mm. 
like they were trying to continue to grow and it was like, Hey, we want you to sell this, maybe a, a stock or something like that and say that it's going to have this return when we really don't know what the return is going to be. Mm. And um, I've, tr- I've talked to him a few times since then. And it got to a point where they were asking him to do stuff that he was no longer comfortable doing. Yeah. And my mom didn't work. There were six of us. And one day he just quit and left and um, came home and basically told my mom, like, <laughs> I not, quit not my job. Wow. <laughs> I can't, like, he couldn't. Yeah. Um, the integrity. He, he couldn't feel good about it yep. anymore. And he couldn't, he, and had, I, I don't think he had any idea what he was going to do. Yeah. So um, they tried a few businesses. He, he's entrepreneurial as well. They tried a, t- a few businesses on their own. Ultimately, my parents ended up filing bankruptcy. Mm. Uh, we lost our house. Mm. And um, ended up moving to a much, I mean, still very nice middle-class area, but a much smaller house where some of us were sharing rooms and things like that. And yeah. it was not as as cool of a spot. Um, and watching them struggle and try to figure out what they were going to do. I was 12. Um, and I had done some childhood acting um, on film stuff too when I was, so I had like, I had a couple thousand dollars in my bank account yeah. at like 10. Oh. And um they asked me when I was 12 years old, can you help us pay for Christmas for your siblings? Oh, you have money. They hadn't man. touched it. And um, I can't even imagine what that would be like as a parent totally. to have to go to your 12 year old and ask like, hey, can we borrow some money so that your siblings can have totally. Christmas? Um, but they let me do all the shopping with them and everything. And um, watching them do that, but knowing that the reason was that my dad just wanted to be honest. Yeah. I think at the time they probably felt like failures and things like that. But what I learned from seeing them go through that right. and the reason why yep. um, has made a huge impact on who I am. That's huge. Huge shout out to pops, man. I mean, really, yeah. that's a big, that's a big deal. Man. <laughs> any, any man with the integrity like that to make that call, um, and shout out to mom too, because I, you know, she had to be behind that too. I know dad pulled the trigger on, I'm out of here, yeah. but she had to be behind it and go, all right, let's go and okay. not take off. Yeah, yeah, man. So, wow. Um, yeah, huge shout out to them. That's a big deal. And it's such a, you know, again, you know, kind of that, that lesson for the young people of fail early, fail off and fail forward. Like it's all of that because you want to get those, ex- get those hard experiences now, um, before it, it is a harder lesson. You know, if you can get yeah. that now, we just had a young man um, here on this campus uh, who's in high school, and I believe he's—I want to say—he's seventeen, um, and took on a took on a job with a local entrepreneur who's actually a parent of of some other students here too. And and um, he went in, and, and I think he only had one day on the job, and and the second one and third one, he kind of had some issues and didn't end up. I mean, so long story short, he got let go from his you know internship, his apprenticeship. And that's a part of what we do is like, you're going to go work and you're going to have internships and apprenticeships yeah. and fields, you know? And so, um, so not only did that hurt him from like, oh my gosh, I just got fired from really my first gig. Um, but it also hurt him on the school side. Now he's got to shuffle on that. And he, this morning was, you know, he, he recovered, he gave the the rest of the launch pad, the high schoolers kind of the story. And it was like, look, this was a real world scenario. And man, so valuable to get that lesson now and to share that lesson mm-hmm. with all of them now because it's just hurt feelings at this moment. Yeah. You know, and so it's not as impactful. Um, so, so kudos to them, man. Huge lesson. Holy cow. Um, 
So, you know, you got a, a couple of things where you're going um, sort of the the counterculture a little bit and with the with the homeschool, which is becoming less and less counterculture, and I'm all for it, man. As an educator, I think that is like as a career educator, knowing the game inside and out, man, I think that is just the way to go. I think it's super, super smart. Um, where else are you somewhat counterculture? And the, the actual question that the young people asked is, um, what is a piece of common knowledge that everybody says, well, look, this is the way it is. But Miranda goes, yeah, no, I kind of disagree with the crowd on this. I mean, I would say that our business is that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and just like homeschool, it yeah. has become much more common and popular to just work out at home yep. um, and to not feel like you need to have a gym membership or a CrossFit gym membership or yeah. anything like that. Um, but we were very counterculture when we started. So we started in 2016 and there was already a lot of like online competitor CrossFit type programs, right, but we right. were like, Hey, all you need to do ours is a pair of dumbbells. If you have more than that, we have programs for that too. Mm. We, we, and still to this day, we do have um, a version of the workout every day that if you have a barbell and a pull-up bar and an assault bike and all this stuff, there's that, that stuff's all there. Right. But if all you have is a pair of dumbbells and you're at the foot of your bed, you can do street parking. Where you go. Yeah. Um, coming from two high level athletes. I think all the other athletes at the time were like, Oh, so you're like, I mean, they used to say this, yeah. literally say this. Oh, so you're like, it's like the mom program or, <laughs> you know, my, my old coworkers uh, on the level one, they'd be like, oh, street parking, like the dumbbell program. And uh, people would be like, no, no. Yeah, like you, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very counterculture because yep. um, when we left CrossFit um, and, and still in many parts of CrossFit, it's CrossFit is the games sure, and it's a huge spectacle and you have to have all this stuff and yeah. it's these amazing athletes. Um, and so, I, yeah, I mean, my belief is that one of the things that we are, our hashtags is um, control your fitness. Yeah. And we believe that if you have a pair of dumbbells, or even if you don't, if you can load up a backpack with sand or something like that, you can remain really fit. Yep. Are you going to go compete in the CrossFit games? No, but could you be one of the most fit people in your neighborhood, in your town, in your city? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's so much that yeah. you can do. You don't need all totally. of the stuff. And that includes supplements and all of the, yep. like really over the top complicated meal plans and yeah. all of this stuff. Like it's so fitness and health are so much more simple than oh, people realize. So good, man. So true. And early, we had our Apogee call earlier today with the young men from around the planet. And our guest um, this morning is a, is a um, former Navy SEAL. And, and they were asking him about, you know, just fitness related. And he's like, push-ups, pull-ups, dips, you know, get out and, and do some running a little bit. You want to throw some heavy weight on your uh, shoulders, you know, and, and a, wear a weight vest or something and just go walk for long periods or a backpack and go walk for long periods. Like you're more than good. You can more than push yourself with that. And just getting back to kind of that simplicity, you know, and it's so true, man. It's so true. People want to over, yeah. it's, it's human nature. We tend to overcomplicate almost everything. Yeah. I mean, we're really, so we're homeschool, we're home fitness. Yeah. I, I, this will be my second home birth awesome. here in the next two to three weeks. Yeah. Um, so rad. Yeah, it's um, and that came from some experiences that I had in hospitals too, where it's you wouldn't necessarily have pinned me as a, as a home birth person yep. a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, I just think that we live a much simpler 
life than most people do. And we see the value of just keeping it simple and, and, um, yeah. So cool. Um, I've got one more specific related question to you. And then I just want to see where we can, um, I want to see where we can support you and, and, um, you know, send people and kind of hear what's next or what's on the agenda for you other than, you know, having a baby or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, uh, just in the simplicity on the food side, just cause I'm a nerd on this stuff and I love it. And really I, you know, big credit to early CrossFit seminar, Rob Wolf's nutrition seminar, you know, and right. knowing, knowing Rob for a long time at this point, and we've had him on the podcast and, and chat with him too. Um, basic health. I mean, I'm assuming you're still probably very similar to kind of CrossFit's old school, you know, elite health in hundred words or less or whatever it was, right. You guys yep. still kind of adhere yeah. to that basic kind of standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and real food. Yeah, I mean, it, it, eat real food. Like, we just put out a podcast for our members um, this week, actually, yeah. where it's like, get get your plate, fill up half of it with some clean, starchy carbohydrates like potatoes or rice or yeah. whatever, and some veggies. Put a quarter of it worth of protein, yeah. and we're talking like actual real protein sources, yep. okay, like meat and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And then throw some fat on there. Yeah from avocado or olives or you know some nuts or whatever and that's all you need to know about nutrition for the rest of your life congratulations yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. done like yeah. there's your that's all you need yep it's the, um, the daily simplicity so, forever so basic yeah good for you guys man so cool so what's what's next on the agenda for you guys i mean i know you got baby number three coming um and then what does it look like do you guys have plans like business is going great we're going to kind of keep that rolling we've got kind of goals where we want to expand here or start something there like what is what's kind of the the agenda for you guys yeah so um where we're at now with street park we have thirty-five thousand members so rad um and 50 employees wow (laughs) and uh yeah, we just released, um, uh, We for the last two years, we've been working on a um, platform where we can deliver all of our stuff on our own because we were like piecing things together. Yep. We were using Wattify and then like a Squarespace website and we're putting it, it's all in one place now for our members. So that's been like a really big undertaking the past two years. Yeah. We just released it a few months ago, moved into a bigger office space. Um, and my goal, because we do plan on homeschooling, um, and we've, we hired so many people so quickly right. to help us. All of them were kind of new at the same time and they still needed a lot of attention from us. So what we're working on is um, getting them to where they don't need us as much sure. so that when it is time to homeschool, my my oldest is four. Yep. Um, and so he's needing more and more of that attention yeah. as he's getting older. Um, getting them to a place where we don't need to be in every single decision totally. all the time. Good for you. And I'm a control person. I'm a, I'm a perfectionist and I, it's more a passion for our message and our brand and yeah. making sure that we always are super authentic, that I have a hard time letting go of that. Yep. Um, but that's our biggest focus right now is getting our team running to where if we can, we can be gone for a, a little bit or they don't need us every single day, yep. all day long. Good for you. Um, we have a couple rental properties now. My husband's gotten into like, yeah. Good deal. <laughs> buying some yeah. rental properties. We yeah. have like a really cool like beach house um, here on the Oregon coast okay. that we remodeled. And I got to use my interior design for yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. See? Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's, I've always been a big believer, maybe because of what my parents went through. And he's he's the same way because, again, his parents were immigrants and, and everything of having uh, income from more than one yeah. so place. Yep. 
um, for just security. And yeah. both of us uh, grew up without a lot of security. Totally. So uh, w- again, we would we would much rather have a couple rental properties than a huge um, house just for ourselves totally. that we're paying for. So um, I think it's that that's something that he gets excited about and he's really into and he's works on a lot. Um, and then, yeah, this will be our third our third son here in, just, in, a, in a little bit. The best. Did you so. say you're naming him Matt too? After me, is that what you said? I thought I remembered hearing somebody say that. <laughs> I could be wrong. Our oldest is uh, our oldest is Knox. Nice. Our second is Banner. Nice. And this one, his name is Crew. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I like him. Good. Good. Strong. Good. Strong young guys. Super yeah, cool. Funny. Man, so thankful for you taking the time um, and would love to send people. So obviously street parking and, and then um, your IG, is that where you're most active too? Yeah, I just posted yesterday that I'm not posting again until after. I don't know when you're going to put this Post, up, but yeah, I'm, I'm a taking weeks, so. a social media detox until after baby's born. Okay. Because I get sucked into it just like everybody else if I'm on there too okay. much. Yeah, totally. Um. I, I made the joke of like, I put that up yesterday and then I was like, watch, he's going to come today. Yeah, now. I know. Huh? So, yeah. Totally like, messed you up. Yeah, I know. But yeah, that's uh that's fearless Miranda. And then the, there's the at street parking Instagram. We have um, streetparking.com is the website. So that's awesome, man. You guys are, you're rock stars, man. We're gonna have to get your hubby on here too. And, and um, anything we can do on this side to support, man. Um, say the word, love what you're doing, my friend. Yeah. Awesome. Super Thank cool. You. Yeah. You bet. Hey, there you go. As always, give her a follow. She's on IG at Fearless Miranda. Uh, and you also want to check out Street Parking as well and uh, see what they are up to. Appreciate you all following along. We'll catch you guys next time on The Essential 11. See you.